This is the Podium Finish Live from Austin, Texas, and various points across the country. Here's your host, Rob Johnson. And a good, good day to everyone out there. Thank you for tuning in to the Podium Finish Live. I'm Rob Tiongson, a motorsports journalist based out of Austin, Texas, who's been covering NASCAR since 2008. I'm so glad that you could join us for another edition of TPF Live, which, of course, as you know, is an action-packed hour of racing conversations and discussions. And this is episode number 16 for those of you who are keeping track at home. And it's our 16th overall episode since we rebooted in October of last year so. What that means is that we are doing this during a NASCAR race weekend, which is awesome. Now, full disclosure, of course, we're actually recording this ahead of the Bushlight Clash. But when this podcast drops on Monday, that will be after the Bushlight Clash has been concluded. So we're not going to really delve too much into like who won the race or recapping the race, because unfortunately, we don't have the ability to kind of see how the future plays out at this time. But I'm sure during episode 17, we'll do so for sure, but we've got a lot to cover on this particular podcast of TPF Live, um, Like, because like I said, the racing season is back, and we're not talking about testing or you know, predictions about paint schemes and car number placements. We are here to talk about actual racing happenings, so I am so pumped about this, and I'm sure that um, you guys and girls at home are going to feel the same way too when you hear this podcast. Now, normally at this point of the podcast, as we kick off the show, I would be normally introducing my good friend and usual co-host, Nathan Solomon. However, he's actually flying somewhere right now between New York State and California because he will be heading over to Los Angeles to cover the Super Bowl weekend that is going to be with St. Bonaventure University's WSPU 88.3 FM, The Buzz, on Radio Row, so... They got the invite. They forgot the old guy here in Texas, but that's okay. I'm kidding about that, of course. And I'm really excited for Nathan and our crew who do a fantastic job. And I'm looking forward to hearing what their content will be for this week. So be sure to check it out on WSBUFM.com because they're going to have some on-site productions from Los Angeles. So that would be really cool to hear. But speaking of what's cool to hear right now, I actually have some great guest co-hosts with me today, so never fear, folks. I'm not alone, and this is not going to be a monologue that you'll have to listen to for this hour. Uh, So the first voice I'm going to introduce to you is actually somebody who's familiar because she actually guest starred on episode five, I believe. So she's going to be back here, and if you also race on iRacing, then the other voice you'll hear as well, well, he's really familiar and he may be coming from a competitor website of sorts, but he's a good friend of mine and a really great journalist. And I'll introduce that indiv- that particular individual here very shortly. But first, let me introduce the always whimsical, but not too unusual Pokemon master, Jasmine Jazz Sharp. Jazz, how are you doing today? Oh, it's a beautiful day here in Mooresville, North Carolina. Uh, of course, we're recording this ahead of time, so we're all kind of glued to the TV screen while recording this because the clash practice is actually taking place right now. So pretty exciting stuff. Yes, it is. And uh, we're all it's like the first day of school, I would say, with you know the clash practice that's going on and just a bunch of newness that's surrounding this particular race weekend because it's our first look at the new paint schemes, the new cars seeing a racetrack built inside a football stadium, which for those in North Carolina, not too unfamiliar with Bowman Gray Stadium, but someone like me who's in Austin, Texas, 
other than reading books and watching YouTube races, it's like the coolest experience I've seen in my 31 years of having some connection with NASCAR. So Jazz, I'm really excited to have you back on the program and I'm sure you're gonna have some great thoughts when we get to segment number one here very shortly. Now, the next voice I'm gonna introduce to y'all, like I said, he is from Kicking the Tires and he happens to be one of the most savviest iRacing drivers I know, but he's also an NNPA award-winning journalist as well. So it's my great honor to introduce Seth Eggert. Seth, thanks for joining us today. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Uh, like Jasmine, it's comfortable here in North Carolina, Mooresville, North Carolina, as a matter of fact. Uh, sometimes I wonder just how small a world it is uh, as far as us journalists are concerned. Uh, like, I had no idea Jasmine was also in Mooresville. So <laughs> I'm sitting here like, I wonder where in Mooresville she is compared to me. I'm over by like GoPro Motorplex, Team Penske, that area. Hmm. Uh, Walmart, sir. The magical land of Walmart. <laughs> okay, so I know around where you are then. <laughs> <laughs> For those rest of us who are not in North Carolina, that just means look it up on Google Maps and you can figure it out, but do not stalk our co-hosts because <laughs> that's not exactly why they reveal their locations, folks. Um, as for me, I am in Texas. You figure out where that is in Austin and uh, yeah. Anyways, now that we all know where we live and hopefully not get stalked <laughs> on this particular podcast, it's so great to have you both on today. And it's going to be a lot of fun as we already are having right now on this hour of racing talk. So we've got a great guest as well that will be joining us later on. And she will be sitting in the hot seat. And that would be none other than, of course, Toyota Racing Development Driver, Kaylee Bryson. And you know, folks, that she made some great headlines um, last month at the Chili Bowl because she became the first woman to compete in the main feature event. So going to be really cool to hear what she has to say. And uh, definitely looking forward to her thoughts when we get to the hot seat segment, which will be towards sort of this, the tail end of the show. Uh, so for those of you who have never heard of, of TPF Live and you just happen to stumble across this on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or whatever podcasting platform you listen to, let me explain how this show works. So after our introduction, of course, we head into the first segment, which is called Podium Perspectives, where we discuss about the latest happenings in NASCAR, IndyCar, or other motorsport series. But just for this particular podcast, it is going to be all about NASCAR and actually a little bit about e-NASCAR and sim race, as obviously our two guest hosts have a bit of connections with that. So it would be foolhardy not to talk about that for sure. And then on the second half of our show, we'll get to Kaylee Bryson's hot seat segment, uh, which would normally feature a NASCAR or IndyCar race car driver or personality. So a little bit of both of that um, during the sort of last version of our podcasts during the off season. But this is, it's kind of like in between a racing season event and uh, an, an off season one, because when we're in the racing season, we of course preview races and recap them. So when we get to episode 18, in a few weeks time, and then that's when you'll hear more of the sort of racing season version of TPF live, but you guys and girls are definitely going to enjoy the show. And I hope that you are going to share this with your friends and family because it's going to be a dandy to say the least. Now, before we kick off the first segment of our show, I'd like to remind all of you at home 
who love die-cast cars, whether it's Lionel Racing's NASCAR offerings or Greenlight Collectibles IndyCar and movie and television show cars, that you can head over to CircleBDieCast.com. And if you use promo code TPF2022 on purchases of $20 or more in in-stock items or pre-order items that will be shipping at the same time, you can get free shipping. So again, use promo code TPF2022 to get free shipping on orders of $20 or more of in-stock items or pre-order items that will ship at the same time. Tell Brent and his gang that Rob Tionson sends you over. And with that, let's head over to our first segment, Podium Perspectives. Earlier this week, legendary boxer Floyd Mayweather, the co-owner of the Money Team Racing, announced that Kaz Grala will attempt for his first Daytona 500 race with the team in their number 50 entry. Now, Grala, who did race in last year's Daytona 500, has a bit of experience that he could bring to the table for TMTR. Now, there's been some speculation as to when this team will actually hit the ground running and who drives their car. Now we have answers to both. And it will be interesting just to see how things play out for this new team. So we'll start off with Jazz and then hear from Seth. Jazz, what's your thoughts on the Money Team Racing's inaugural driver? And what can we expect from this new team? I find it very interesting that Mr. Mayweather decided to throw his hat in, decided that now was the time to do it. Uh, Not too long ago, we were kind of thinking the same way when Michael Jordan threw his hat in basically and decided to make a team of his own. I think it's promising. I think it's nice to see the outside investment other than the quote unquote typical racing investors that we have had in the sport. I think it shows that the sport has more potential to grow. We might have a lot more people, especially with the clash happening here within what 24 hours at this point. Um, I think there's a lot of potential with it. Uh, he's he's done investments in other areas and other sports before, and I haven't seen anything catastrophic, so I'm hoping nothing but the best. Kaz has a lot of potential as a driver, seen him in a bunch of other races before, not just with Xfinity, but iRacing platforms as well. And I'm excited to see what happens, but at the same time, I'm nervous because... As we all know, there's been instances where investments with a cup team have not gone well. So we'll see what happens. Certainly. I mean, Gorilla has the experience and the credentials to do a really nice job for this new team. And, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty with them. But I guess if there's ever a time for a new team to come into NASCAR, it's now with the next gen car because it seems to be the kind of car that could be the equal opportunity type of team in terms of competition uh, parity out there on the track there's just so much that could happen with this bunch Seth you know you cover the racing circuit quite a bit too with your outlet you know kind of want to hear your thoughts on the same question I asked Jazz you know what's your thoughts on the team's inaugural driver and what can we expect from the money team racing well the team has kind of been in the making since 2019 I remember uh, sitting at in Martinsville uh, in the uh, media center for the playoff race at, in 2019 when the rumors were starting to filter out that there might be a team co-owned by 
Floyd Money Mayweather. And it kind of took about two years for it to get off the ground. But the vibe I got is they were trying to debut with the next-gen car. So it makes sense to have that delay. Although I will say uh, in the Pro Invitational Series during the shutdown, Jeffrey Earnhardt, when he attempted the Homestead race, if you look on Racing Reference, it's actually listed as him attempting it for the Money Team Racing. So I kind of wonder if he might have been the original driver they were hoping to have. But uh, for Kaz Grawl, it's a huge opportunity. I mean, he's running a little bit for the Money Team Racing. He's running a little bit for Alpha Prime Racing in the Xfinity Series and for Young's Motorsports in the Truck Series. It kind of reminds me of Alex Bowman a few years ago and what Ryan Priest is doing now, running a little bit of everything just to keep his name in the garage and to get that experience for possibly a bigger opportunity down the road. That's a really excellent point you brought up because Kaz is kind of seeing himself in an audition type of year. And I was saying to my team uh, off channel that it's kind of like a driver in the NASCAR hate games where they get to be in the hot seat, (laughs) get to audition with different teams. And Kaz is kind of doing the real life edition of it. So if anybody who can make a good case to be very competitive and hopefully get a quality full-time ride, Kaz is the guy who can do it. And obviously he's had success in the truck series when he won the season opener at Daytona a few years back. So and certainly I think he can do a good job for them. I, I really don't know if they're the kind of team though, that could muscle their way for a top 10 or top 20 at the moment. But with all things being so different this year, it would not surprise me to see something unusual happen uh, in a good way, of course, with this team and this driver. And kind of interesting, too, you brought up about Jeffrey Earnhardt um, and the iRacing event when he was supposed to be driving their efforts on the virtual track. But kind of makes you go, hmm, and wonder if that's the case. And we'll never know. <laughs> but, hey, you know, that's what's interesting about racing and how things change in in a second or at the snap of a finger which unfortunately i can't snap my finger so i don't have any foley artistry to to make that point happen unfortunately uh, at this moment but yeah that's going to be fun to watch uh kaz and the money team racing in a few weeks time and who knows what they can do when they get to their other starts later this year now speaking of later this year the worldwide technology raceway at gateway is going to have a cup race of course and they announced that they're going to have a race in June, on June 5th rather, that will be 240 laps long, which equates to about 300 miles. So this unique 1.25 mile egg-shaped racetrack is going to be a dandy for these cup drivers and teams to tackle. Because to me, from a visual bird's eye view, it's almost like dealing with Darlington, but flatter and shorter, of course. Now, Gateway, of course, is no stranger to NASCAR in terms of the Xfinity and Truck Series in their past races. But the Cup Series is going to take on take it on for the first time, so I'm kind of curious as to see you know how things are going to play out here. Now let's hear from Steph first, and then Jazz. You can jump in afterward. You know we know that Gateway is a relatively flat track, and it's got those sweeping corners that are not alike from each other. So Seth, who do you believe will be the early favorites when we get to this track? I know it's kind of hard to say ahead of a, the racing season, well, but. Well, the problem also is with the next-gen car, it's a clean slate. I'm not sure if anything could transfer over from those that have experience in the trucks and Xfinity there. But if anything can transfer over from there, I would have to look at people who have raced there. Kyle Busch, Bubba Wallace, uh, I'm sure Kurt Busch did way back when in the truck series. 
maybe a Todd Gilliland, uh, Austin Sindrick. It, so it's kind of tough to nail down just who is going to be good there just because of how radically different the next-gen car is compared to both the truck and the Xfinity car. But I would have to at least lean on those that have the experience and that would know the visual cues, maybe what the original breaking points are versus what it might be in the next-gen car. On top of that, I'm curious to see, considering the track is so small, so flat, and has two radically different corners, if they uh, shift. Hmm. That's true. I mean, that's a factor that I have thought about when we, you know, see the cup cars go to Pocono, which is somewhat of a flatter track, although it's got those three distinct corners, whereas Gateway, I see it as like an egg-shaped mini Darlington, but so much flatter and sweeping corners that certainly will challenge crew chiefs all day uh, and all race weekend long. Jazz, how about you? What do you think about this gateway race in terms of early favorites? I know, like I said to Seth, it's going to be hard to predict, but, you know, at least kind of thinking on trends alone. Well, for me personally, and it goes back to the video games, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but I kind of predicted at some point that cup cars were going to make their debut at this track because of NASCAR heat. NASCAR heat, that is a track that you can race at with the lower league vehicles, but you play it in uh, free play mode, basically. It's a track that you can choose as well. And just testing it with those cars, you could see the potential with it. Yes, these next-gen cars are new. There is so much that we are still learning. I mean, looking at practice earlier, seeing how even the drivers were figuring out the ins and outs of it. Uh, the thing that's going to get me with that is the fact that the track on the two ends are so different. You have the short side of it and the long side with the turns. And with this new car, you don't have like some of the features that we've had before. And I wonder how the engineers and the crews are going to be able to take the data that they had from their other series, like the truck and Xfinity series, and how they're going to apply that. Because those cars, like Seth brought up, they're completely different. I think... Yet again, Seth, I agree with you on there. Experience, I think, is going to be key in this. If you've had time to be able to have tires up on that track and kind of get somewhat of an idea, I think you're better off. But I think that might be one of those highlights of the season, too, where we have some of these rookies that I I like. Burden, for example, Mr. Harrison Burden, number 21, wouldn't that be great for somebody like him that has taken on the role for like the Wood Brothers to be able to claim a win for a team like that? I think this season overall, got to keep a close eye on like the rookies overall. So I'm really excited to see what these drivers are going to be capable of doing with a new track like that. It's certainly going to be interesting just because no one's got a lot of notebook input that's going to be helpful ahead of that race unless they have a good year tire test which could be possible but we don't have the old days of nascar where a team can just pack up their, their equipment and make the trip out to the midwest and be like all right we're going to spend two days at this track and get all the data in the world like this this version of nascar is pretty much fly by the seat of your pants almost so it's certainly going to be interesting to say the least and i'm kind of curious too just how much sim racing experience is going to help out for some of those drivers because uh, a few years ago, uh, for an outlet that I had helped out, uh, they had an event called the Icebox, Icebox Trucks Challenge, and they had a race at Gateway, which that was 
every restart was just incredibly stressful and frantic. Um, and I think Harrison Burton won that race, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I'll have to check my data. It, Notes it, after that. Seth probably couldn't. It, it, it looks like sounds it right. It sounds right. I Harrison won that one. I think Vargas won Richmond. Yeah. And uh, Santino Ferrucci won Atlanta. That's right. That was just like a, that was a heck of a series to cover during the pandemic. And, you know, when they had the restarts heading into turn one and two, like it was pretty much just like, you know, kind of to steal a phrase from uh, Tony Romo during the football games on CBS. Here we go, Jim. And then <laughs> that's pretty much all I kept saying to myself when I was, you know, doing the PR for that series. So, you know, it's going to be fun to watch just because this next gen car has a unique style of brakes. We saw that in that clash practice, you know, that we've all been watching during this recording. And um, by then, who knows who's mastered it, who's still struggling with it. It's going to be fun to revisit this topic when we get to closer to this race weekend. So I'm looking forward to it. And like I said, uh, for those who do sim racing, I'm just curious to see how much of those experiences transcend over into the next-gen car when we get to that race weekend. And speaking of the clash at the LA Coliseum, you know, of course, unfortunately, it's going to be said and done by the time this podcast drops on Monday, but we can all agree that it's going to be one of the most historical races for NASCAR. I mean, all of us in the journalism industry, I think there's a lot of buzz around this. There's people tweeting or posting on socials about how excited they are, posting pictures from the track. I mean, you don't see that at most other races. So it's it's kind of got like, like I said earlier, this first day of school feel, but it's like NASCAR is going to grad school at this point, which is awesome. And I'm excited. Um, you know, of course, with the characteristics of this racetrack, um, it's a really tiny purpose-built quarter mile racetrack inside a really massive football stadium and Olympic stadium, I should say. And we saw from the eNASCAR exhibition race that Casey Kerwin won that it's, it's going to be interesting. I mean, is it going to be side-by-side racing? I don't know. Is it going to deliver in terms of, you know, door-to-door, bumper-to-bumper racing? I would say so. But I mean, let's hear from Jazz first. And Seth, you, you both are really invested into the same racing world. I watched a bit of the race on Tuesday night. So, I mean, Jazz, first off with you, what's your initial impressions of the clash at the, at the LA Coliseum um, in terms of not only what you think it's going to deliver, but in terms of the draw it may have with newer fans who have been on the borderline of NASCAR or just happened to stumble across NASCAR by watching it on Fox? Oh, let me tell you, uh, currently staying with somebody that crew chief slash spots for one of the Coke series drivers. So seeing all that behind the scenes stuff, some of it that we don't get to witness on the broadcast and just how nervous we all were to see how it was going to go. We didn't, we didn't know if it was going to be clogged up like one corner, like commotion calamity, or if it was going to be single file racing, but it ended up being some great battles, some great stories that happened and were drawn out. And even just looking at practice overall from today, I think, I think this is the refreshing kind of racing that we need to be honest uh the late 90s we produced a lot of mile and a half tracks I mean, we had texas and all that that's the main one that comes to my mind but 
as the years have gone by and some of the popularity of the sport has declined, I think people have been looking, been searching for bumper to bumper action, that close up beat em up style again, that we, you know, kind of have wandered away since we've had bigger and faster cars and we've been able to race at places like Texas. Ooh, I, that was, that was the thing that excited me the most. Uh, being able to see the Coliseum on iRacing, I know at least personally, when they brought up that they were going to be racing at that at that place, I was like, how are you going to fit the track there? How's the setup? Like, for some reason, I thought they were going to put all the spotter boxes within it. Like, we were at Martinsville. There's not enough room in the middle to do that, of course. But I was like, how is this even going to happen? And them explaining how they, like, have shut down some of the streets down in LA to ensure that the cars are getting from Point A to B was kind of funny, but being able to test out the track, being able to see how the Coke drivers handled it and just the data and all that they gathered, I am so excited. I am looking forward to it. It's, like I said, I think it's something that NASCAR needed. And I think that the community overall is taking it in stride, which is great to see. Oh, 110%. I mean, this is like the shot in the arm that NASCAR needed. Um, in terms of just being different and unique and taking on chances without being so out of character. I know a lot of folks ahead of this race were like, well, I don't know. I mean, this is kind of weird to see stock cars in a football stadium. Why the hell will they do that um, when the class really belongs at Daytona? But I mean, we tried last year with the road course race, which eh, it was all right. And the last true clash race at Daytona in 2020 I mean, that looked like the LA Coliseum already, but at a 2.5 mile super speedway. So why not put it on a short track and in one of the biggest cities in the entire world in front of a lot of celebrities that may be like, wow, you know, this, this NASCAR thing's kind of cool. And it's no coincidence. It's a month, it's a week before rather the Super Bowl or Super Owl in my case. So it's, it's awesome. I mean, I, I'll share my thoughts a little bit later because I want to hear from Seth. I mean, Jazz brought up some good points about the clash and how NASCAR's, you know, popularity took a dive for a bit after the 90s, you know, kind of thinking along the same lines as Jazz. Where do you see this race stacking up into potential in terms of attracting new fans and maybe bringing some new blood into the sport? Well, for one, assuming it's working, and to me it looks like it's working based on practice, but if this works we could see NASCAR exporting races. And what I mean by that is there's been talk of seeing a race, whether it's a clash or otherwise, most likely exhibition uh, in Tokyo, in Mexico city, in Canada, in London. I mean, imagine uh, NASCAR stall cars going around Wembley stadium. Imagine NASCAR stall cars going around the Olympic stadium in Tokyo. I mean, the possibilities to a certain point are endless and not only could bring in more fans here in the U S but could bring in more fans abroad. And NASCAR has kind of been trying to do that with the Pinty series in Canada, with the peak Mexico series down in Mexico with uh, the Euro series in Europe, whether it's they, because they race in London, France, Italy, Spain, etc. So there are a lot of opportunities and a lot of untapped markets. Uh, and speaking of racing in a stadium, NASCAR did that back in the 50s at Soldier Field. 
uh, Arca did that, and the USAC stock car uh, series did that at Soldier Field into the 60s. And NASCAR, the last time they raced on track this small, the Cup Series, that is, was Islip Speedway in 1971, uh, a 0.2-mile track that when uh, Richard Petty took the green flag, uh, 33rd was already three-quarters of a lap down. Wow. <laughs> Jeez. So, if that tells you how small that was. And it, yeah. I, uh, I but, can't imagine the congestion. <laughs> but but overall, uh, compared to what we saw Tuesday night in iRacing, I think it would be a little bit different because some of the spins on iRacing wouldn't happen in real life. A part of that is because of the internet connection, the, quote, net code, as some drivers will call it. So there, there is a little bit of give and take here and there uh, ver, uh, when it comes to real life versus uh, virtual reality, but it does give us a good idea of what to expect. Yeah, for sure. And it's, it's a good barometer for what may happen on the track or what will have happened at the track by the time this podcast drops. And that's what's unique about NASCAR in motorsports is that we have this amazing platform and iRacing to develop these new ideas. I mean, I think last year they tried to do the street course race in Chicago, which unfortunately does not look like it's going to happen anytime soon in real life. But, you know, I think this track, if I'm not mistaken, in the LA Coliseum, they conceptualized this through iRacing. And obviously it was a pretty decent, uh, you know, clap exhibition race um, on Tuesday night for the Coke series drivers and teams. So in real life, we could be talking about a race that I wouldn't say it's going to rival the 1979 Daytona 500 or 2001 Daytona 500. But for this new generation of fans, they're going to be like, wow, this is going to be so cool. And maybe you'll have folks who are into these cars, because let me tell you, these these new Chevrolet Camaros, the, the Ford Mustangs and Toyota Camrys, the next gen cars are just amazing machines to look at. And I can't personally wait to be at a race later this year, seeing these up close in person and just marveling at these machines that the, the men and women that these teams have worked on urgently since 2019. And they've perfected this as much as possible. And I, it's nice not to hear the concerns about the next gen car because all of last year, I mean, a lot of folks were like, well, I don't know. I don't think it's going to be a good idea. And, and now there's been few complaints. At least I've heard in my on my team and social medias around I've been in. It's just it's such an exciting time. I wished we could be recording this after the clash, but such as it is with our schedules, we're we're gonna just say that this race is awesome and I can't wait to talk about it on episode 17. Hopefully, you guys and girls at home will feel the same way too. Speaking of iRacing, of course. For our last topic, I would be remiss if I did not bring up how Podium Esports is going to be going to the next generation, literally, because with their Podium 500 race weekend that's coming up between February 10th through the 13th, we're going to see some of the best drivers in sim racing and perhaps even asphalt racing taking part in this incredible event. So it's going to be one of those epic races that you cannot miss. You know, there's no excuse to, to miss this race weekend next weekend because we have no NASCAR. The Super Owl was not until that Sunday night. So ladies and gentlemen, you, you've got to watch this for sure. Seth, I know you cover uh, sim racing for kicking the tires. You've raced on the platform itself. 
what can what can fans expect from this neat event? Well, hopefully they can expect me to be in it. I am attempting it for the second time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but that that being said, um, based on what I saw in the FTF 500, uh, the Bar Visuals FTF 500, which is uh, Justin Melillo's league, uh, uh, the For the Fans Racing League, the high line is going to be king. And it it basically controlled the race. I mean, yes, you can make moves on the inside lane. Uh, I was in a transfer spot in the C main to make it to the LCQ. And on the last lap, we went four wide and it didn't work out. Um, but all in all, it, it's a fun event. Uh, last year, Anthony Alfredo finished fifth backwards and airborne. Uh, <laughs> yes, Casey, that. <laughs> Casey Kerwin won the race. Um <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, it, it's just a fun event. Uh, there's three drivers that are guaranteed to run it if they choose to uh, because they have provisionals for winning uh, the previous podium 500s. Set the Merchant, uh, mm-hmm. Daniel Everhart, and Casey Kerwin. Uh, I think there might be a few more provisionals that they might offer to other major podium events like the Retro 500. Uh, there's a race at... North Wilkesboro, I forget the name of it, but they do offer certain major event winners uh, provisional spots if they choose it. Uh, otherwise, to qualify for the event, they're single car qualifying. They take the two fastest cars, just like normal Daytona 500. Everybody else gets put into heats similar to the Chili Bowl. And you have to race your way in to first the duels and then from the duels into the main event uh last year i finished 11th and i think i had to be eighth to uh transfer from the heat to the the duel so i was just a few spots shy hopefully this year works out better but um yeah i'm I'm excited for it i do a little bit of contributing for podium esports as well from time to time uh writing a just some articles where it's uh, some sidebars on some of the Coke series drivers uh, in off weeks or even their major events, just to give them a little bit more coverage. And that that's also because they cover uh, the Monday night racing league, which I compete in regularly. I didn't make the playoffs in that this year, but um, I, I, if I did my math, right, I am safe from being relegated to their road to glory series next year. Uh, so at least I'll be in the pro series. Uh, at least I'll be in the pro series for the next season. It's <laughs> <was> like, oh. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, a few people will have to deal with me again. Um, I, one of our mutual friends, uh, David Shieldhouse, will have to put up with me again. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that's that's what I love about the sim racing community yeah. because it's not just it's not your cliche gaming community where everyone's got a headphones and you know having snacks and I don't want to sound offensive doesn't have a life. The the sim racing community has a life. They're unique people. Um, they are professional race car drivers. They're folks like who cover racing like you. There are folks that love racing like Jazz. That's what I love about it. It's such a cool community, and um, certainly I, I think what. Ryan Bauer and, and James Pike yep. do for sim racing is is second to none. I would say they are like the Ken Squire and Dr. Dick Berggren of the sim racing world. 
I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. And if I may, at least for those of us that cover sim racing, uh, Justin Melillo has probably done it longer than anybody else. Yes. Uh, I would say he's like the Bob Pockris of sim racing. Uh, for me personally, I actually got my journalistic start on iRacing, working for iRacing News, covering their IndyCar series <laughs> 11 years ago. And I did that for five years before moving first to Motorsports Tribune and now with Kicking the Tires. Uh, and kind of came full circle because over at Kicking the Tires, when they hired me, they hired me as their esports editor. So <laughs> kind of came full circle on that. It's either you go, folks who want to be in this field as a journalist. You know, the sim racing community is basically your way to cut your teeth. And you don't really have to go too far to do it because you have so many people around the world who partake in it. It's like bringing the world to your own house to do this. So Seth is a good testament of what that community can do for you in terms of not just your passions, but even your career. And you're making a great run with that for sure, Seth, to say the least. Now, Jazz, you've got an incredible connection with that community, of course. I mean, your roommates literally are in the sim racing community and real racing community. So, you know, I'm sure you're aware of what's going on with the Podium 500. I'm curious to hear what you think about this upcoming race. You know, it cracks me up that the two gents that I am currently living with are fretting about the Podium 500 like they would with an actual NASCAR race. But it shows you, it literally shows you that how competitive that esports are. It a lot of people think that esports aren't competitive, that there's not really a gain from it. But seeing events like the Podium 500, seeing like e-racers events with the LCQC and all that, seeing a pool of people, you have people from all different walks of life that are literally competing against one another. You have literal NASCAR drivers, like we've had Dale Jr. in before. We've had Landon Castle, we've had Parker in there, we've had Garrett in there, and then like us quote unquote nobodies, you know, in there, but being able to see them compete and seeing these quote unquote nobodies make a name for themselves. I mean, that's why the Coke series for like eNASCAR was made. That's why we have all these great communities set up in the iRacing communities to show off that this isn't this isn't just a game, it's literally a tool that people use to train, that people use to gain skill from. I'm really excited to see the process, the qualifying process with the podium. As Seth brought up, it's not just a, here, you're gonna get on the track and you're just gonna make a laugh and we're gonna just throw you in. I mean, it is a grueling process. I mean, this isn't, this is not a game. This, I've seen people come up a 10th short if less during qualifying from the smallest mistake the smallest mistake can really bite you in the butt in the end and being able to see well david shieldhouse for example right he's been in the core series ftf he's in monday night racing he's in so many different series and then him go against coke drivers we got like like reynolds is going to be there keen lays we have such a huge pool and just being able to see like everybody go against one another and that's how you seek out like how Alex Bowman did it through the cup series and all that kind of finding that new talent bringing up, up new faces and all that in the series and I think that's what I really look forward to it 
the competitiveness between one another, but being able to see new people that we never even had an idea that were even there to be able to make a name. I'm I'm hoping it's going to be a good time. Seth brought up that the Highline is the king. Yes, the Highline is the king. But please I don't really give your uh, please don't give your roommates that tip. <laughs> oh, I'm sure they know. I'm sure they both know, and I'm sure I'm gonna hear it whenever they both return. I hear it all the time already from the room where they have their sim rigs at. Like this, is the line here's the nose. Like, but for me. Yes, the Highline's king, but I have seen some really, really gutsy moves made by people on passes, and I'm I'm hoping that there's some really good gutsy moves, because that's what makes the race, too, is those people that are willing to push themselves and willing. There's a, there's a difference between pushing yourselves and wrecking everybody, so I'm hoping there's a lot of good pushing themselves and not a lot of wrecking, so... That basically translates to you've got to watch it on Podium Esports' YouTube channel. And that's going to be such an awesome race. Like I said, well, the team over at Podium Esports with Ryan and James, everyone over there, Seth, who also does uh, some work with them, as you heard earlier, it's going to be exciting. And um, I'm definitely going to be tuning in just to see how it goes. And if you don't know what Podium Esports does, let me tell you, a couple of years ago when the world literally stopped during the COVID-19 pandemic, they were the first ones to kind of say it's going to be all right. And they did this amazing race called the Replacements 100 at the virtual Atlanta Motor Speedway. And it was a nice little reminder that everything's going to be working out just fine because you had a few cup drivers, cup spotters, and actual sim racing professionals in there. And I was really entertained by it. I have not raced the iRacing platform, but I used to play or race in the NASCAR Racing 2003 uh, PC platform. And let me tell you, that was a lot more challenging than racing NASCAR heat or whatever games are out there these days. So it's intense. It's a lot of fun. Check it out. And you can go check out their YouTube channel as well at youtube.com backslash C backslash podium esports. And week to next Sunday, I hope all of my listeners, all of you check out podium esports podium 500, because you're going to have a great time to watch an exciting race and the preliminaries, of course, that will lead up to that great race next Sunday. Well, that, folks, that is this week's edition of Podium Perspectives, which was a really superb owl version of that particular segment. So really happy to have the opinions of Seth and Jazz here for those, and uh, certainly hope to have y'all around for future ones when we have Nathan back on the show, uh, because that will be certainly a lot of fun to have a roundtable discussion with that. Uh, in the near future. Well, let's actually get to our next segment here on, on TEPF Live. That would be in the hot seat. So folks, I'm so happy that you're all here for today's TEPF Live podcast. Now, as I mentioned earlier, this week's hot seat interview will bring us to the dirt track scene because we have a really bright young race car driver who's going to be joining us and she made some noise last month at the chili bowl kaylee rice and sure turned a lot of heads i would say when she won one of the b main features to advance into the main race and she became the first woman to compete in the main event of the chili bowl which was a remarkable feat uh, 
on that note. But Kaylee, of course, has been an amazing driver for the TRD camp, and she's shown her talents on the dirt tracks. She's shown that she's capable in late models on the asphalt tracks, and she's going to be right here in the hot seat here on TPF Live. So without further ado, let us hear from Kaylee, and let's have her sit in the hot seat right now. Kaylee, take it away. And thank you, Kaylee, for joining me for this call today for um, an interview for the podiumfinish.net and our TPF Live podcast. So, Kaylee, thank you for taking the time to talk to me today about your career and racing journey with the fans from the Podium Finish and the Podium Finish Live podcast. Now, you're a part of the TRD family, which is a pretty renowned group of drivers across different motorsports disciplines. So, first of all, what does it mean to you to be a part of this group and have all the resources around you to excel as a competitive racer? Yeah, you know, it means the world to me. Like, you know, it's such a big part in my career is to just have all these resources to use. And, you know, just being a part of the Toyota family, it, it helps me out so much because, you know, if I ever need something, it's just a call away. And, you know, they help me so much in the gym. You have to be physically fit. And there's just so many opportunities that you have in this program. That's certainly cool to hear, and uh, you know, certainly you're one of the brighter uh, stars to come from TRD, um, and you're certainly making uh, a name for yourself, which we'll get to here very shortly. But for context purposes and those who may not be familiar with you, you know, I understand that you started racing at age nine, but it was purely for fun. Mm -hmm. So when did you realize that racing was going to be more than a pastime, but something that you wanted to chase for a career? Yeah, I was. So I started racing when I was nine and it's just something I've been doing my whole life. And, you know, I kind of started for fun and it turned out we were actually pretty decent. So it turned into a lifestyle from there on. And it's just something I've been super passionate about. And it's something I've wanted to make a career out of. That had to be pretty cool to realize that that was going to be your career, but I can't imagine how nervous, but happy your parents had to be when you were only <laughs> nine years old and you realized that was something you were good at. Yeah. Yeah, you know, they were, they obviously had their doubts because whenever you tell your mom, you're like, hey, I want to be a race car driver whenever I grow up, there's obviously going to be a little bit of concern. And, you know, she's obviously worried about my safety too because she's seen, she's seen me tumble down the back stretch a couple of times. So, you know, it's kind of funny watching your family, you know, learn to uh, just accept your passions in life because it's definitely a dangerous sport. And, you know, it's not something every, uh, every grandparent or every mom gets to see their daughter say. But at least you have the chops to back it up, where some of us folks like me, we never had the chops. I also had the fear factor, and that's why I write about it. But you get to do the things I wish I got, could have done. And it's just so neat to learn about and cover your, your efforts, to say the least. Now, staying along those same lines, you know, I, I also read that you were a great golfer, too, during high school. So <laughs> you're like the all-around athlete from the sounds of things. So, you know, while your focus has been with racing, I'm kind of curious if there's any aspects with golfing that apply with racing from a focus standpoint. Yeah, you know, I think like my whole life I've been involved in every sport possible. I've played basketball, I've played softball, I've played soccer. Like golf was like huge for me in high school. And, you know, I've just always been on the athletic side of things. And I think it's honestly helped me a lot in my racing career because obviously golf, it teaches you to be patient. And that's such a huge part in racing. So, you know, I think every sport I played, like even just for fun, I think it's just been a huge part of like, you know, my journey as a race car driver. I would say it kind of reminds me also to some of the old school drivers, particularly from NASCAR, 
when I think of Dale Jarrett and how he was just this varsity quarterback and golfer and turned race car driver. So while you're, you're, you're certainly a very young driver, you certainly have a lot of that old school blend, which I think is uh, a great uh, unique facet to who you are as a person and a driver. Now, let's actually get to your latest achievement, which of course I was able to watch from home on MAV-TV. I mean, you achieved one of the coolest and most major successes yet as the first woman to compete in the main event of the Chili Bowl um, as a result of your victory in the B main. But I'm kind of curious, like what was going through your mind when you started 10th and then, you know, you were able to work your way through the field to get that second B main victory and compete against the likes of Kyle Larson, Tanner Thorson, and all these other great dirt track and the stock car drivers. Yeah. You know, it's, it's pretty huge to just come to the Chili Bowl and be able to have good success because you're racing with the best of the best. Like these guys, they know what they're doing. They, a lot of them have been doing it since before I was born, which is crazy to think about. And it's crazy because I've been watching the Chili Bowl ever since I was just a little kid. And a lot of the people I used to look up to is people that I'm racing now. So, you know, it's just, a cool part of my career is to be able to race with all these guys that have such big names and are that talented. And it's just making me that much better of a driver, just racing with high competition. Not to mention, you also had a lot of like home turf advantage too, with all of your fans and supporters from Oklahoma being there. So I'm sure that added to a little bit of the luster as well. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's awesome just being, you know, home state, like it was probably an hour from my house. So everything just felt so comfortable and I've been to, you know, the chili bowl and the shootout so many times. So it's just nice being somewhere I'm familiar with. And I think that's just huge. And just finding your comfort level around like all the fans and it's a huge crowd. And so, you know, it just plays a big role. I'm certain that that's not going to be the only time you're going to excel in that event as um, you're certainly a very gifted and very focused race car driver. So I'm looking forward to seeing what you could achieve in future Chili Bowls, uh, you know, down the road. You know, in the past, we've seen a lot of young and upcoming drivers like yourself solely focus on racing in the car without learning the nuances of the car they competed in. But you're unique in the fact that, you know, you've worked at Sawyer Chassis. So, you know, I would imagine you have some knowledge of the cars. So how much of an asset is it to for you to know how these cars are from the ground up and then you're racing them in you're kind of probably seeing it from a more different point of view. Yeah, you know, definitely like off season, I'll be working at Sawyer. In between races, I'm always working on cars and working at Sawyer. So, you know, it just, it kind of plays a big role because it's good knowing like, hey, I'm on the track, something's wrong. I can kind of, you know, tell my crew guys if we're in a crunch for time, like, hey, I think this might be the problem. And, you know, I think it's just really important for drivers to, you know, kind of have an awareness of what's going on with your car and, you know, it can also make you a better driver, too, because you can relate to your crew chief. Hey, I feel like the car could handle better here or here. And it's just all around. It'll just make everything better. You have one step up of, ahead of the legendary and fictitious Cole Trickle. So you don't have to worry about doing a tire test at a short track. You pretty much are understanding what's going on, which is really cool. And I think that's going to be a huge, huge asset for you when you get to different racing series should you go that route, which will be one of my last questions here. But, um, you know, we talked about you being from Oklahoma a little bit. And this state obviously mm-hmm. has produced a lot of competitive drivers in recent times. So I'm kind of wondering which drivers inspired you or have served as mentors to you. Uh, you know, as a kid, I was always number 11. And I always looked up to Denny Hamlin a lot whenever I was younger and I would watch the NASCAR races. And, you know, I think 
I started watching him because we had the same numbers, so I thought we had something in common. And then I saw that he was legitimately a really good driver. And so I've, I've really looked up to him. And then later in life, I looked up to Christopher Bell because he came from, you know, same track that I came from, same home track. And he came from Oklahoma, and he's, he's made it all the way to, you know, the big leagues. And so I've definitely looked up to those two a lot in my career and definitely aspire to be just like them. I'd say it's a perfect fit for you because not only, you know, those are two competitive drivers, but of course have been so affiliated with TRD. So, you know, I'd say you're pretty much following in the right footsteps while, you know, blazing your own trail um, to say the least. Now you have been making a name for yourself in midget racing and dirt track racing. So um, from that standpoint, what would be your ideal future in racing if you had any say with it and in terms of staying with TRD? Yeah, of course I want to go with uh, Toyota all the way to the top. And, you know, I think the goal for this year is to get some wins in the dirt side and get my feet wet in the pavement side. It'd be nice to get in some ARCA races this year. But, you know, I think overall goal for a lifetime is obviously I want to make it to the Truck Series Cup would be awesome. And, you know, I just want to keep moving up and see what we can accomplish. That would be cool to see you up in the big leagues for sure and given how much has changed. I'm sure someone like you can adapt really quickly to the stock car scene uh, in the future. My last question for you kind of takes it off the track. Now I read that you're a huge fan of the TV show Blacklist. So just, you know, wondering <laughs> yeah. what intrigued you about that show? Cause it's been on for a long time now at this juncture. And uh, are there yeah. other shows that you enjoy watching? Yeah. You know, I've been, I've been watching that forever now. I think I'm all caught up, but um. It's it's funny because I know it's been out forever and my grandma and grandpa were watching it and I just kind of like, they were watching it a lot at night. And so I was like, you know, I, I really want to like get up to date with you guys because I feel so like left out. And so I started watching <laughs> it and I was like hooked immediately. And so that's definitely something I'm trying to keep up with is the blacklist. Because you, you, like you kids say, you don't want to FOMO be the first one to miss out. So right. um, have you, I, I like being involved. <laughs> have you, <laughs> have you ever seen yourself eventually when you have the platform to be like a guest character on, on, on Blacklist? Uh, that would, you know, I've never really put much thought into it. I've always just been, you know, it's fun to watch, but I, I'm up for anything. Honestly, that sounds fun. <laughs> well, if you do, Cody and I can be the ones who sent you there. So I uh, really appreciate you taking the time to let me interview Kaylee. I'm glad you're feeling better and, uh, Hopefully, this is the first of many interviews I get to do with you as you progress in your career. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. You got it, Kaylee. Take care. and uh, looking forward to seeing what you do on the track. That was Kaylee Bryson, who was our guest this week for In the Hot Seat. And my special thanks to Kaylee and, of course, to Cody Poor of Golan for making this possible. You can see Kaylee on the track later this year, and I'm sure her events will be on major media outlets like BAF TV. And as you heard, she wants to make her way to NASCAR. So maybe in a few years time, she might be at a local short track or on the major tracks of NASCAR in a few years time. So if, he, if she does make it, just remember TPF Live exposed a great, great new opportunity with her to be on the show. And you can say that she got her break on the show. Maybe not, I'm kidding. But in any event, it's almost time to wrap up this show. My golly, episode 16 has flown by just like that. It has flown a little bit faster than Nathan getting to L.A. because by this point on Monday, he's already in L.A. on Radio Row. Seth and Jazz are 
doing whatever they do on Mondays. And as for me, I'm probably at work listening to the show and just really getting hyped up for the Podium 500 and, of course, the Daytona 500. Uh, you know, let's think ahead about not just the Podium um, 500, but the actual Daytona 500, because y'all may be on episode 17 if you want to be. Um, but, you know, Daytona's around the corner. It's going to be exciting. We saw the test sessions last month. We got to see these amazing runs with those in-car cameras that were available on YouTube. So Seth and Jazz, I mean, how excited are you for the Daytona 500? Very excited. Uh, I'll, I'll actually be down in Daytona. I plan on driving down, I think, the Wednesday of media day. So I'll be there for the duels, the truck race, Xfinity and ARCA, and then the 500 itself. So it, I'm excited for it. I'm hopeful uh, that we get good racing. Uh, there's some debate as far as because of the quote limited stock that some teams have that some might play it extra safe but at the same time I think it might be more the big teams just not being used to having as limited stock as they are being limited to if that makes sense mm-hmm. yeah that does I mean, I, uh... that's certainly a, a point that we've all thought about like yep. how aggressive are they going to be yeah, definitely. I definitely on the day that Daytona 500 is going to be kicking off, I'll have that theme song from classic Sega <laughs> Gang probably cranked up full blast here, and I probably will get yelled at. But that's okay. That's cool. We're we're living it up. Um, finally, uh, not only because of living in the area, but because of knowing so many faces, it's like. The night before Christmas, Christmas Eve. It's been like that since shoot. When when did the last season end? What November tenth? November? You know, it's we've been waiting for this and being able to see some of the behind the scenes with one of the teams in particular. Being able to sit in the cup car, being able to legitimately see what was going on as the team progressed and made the car and all that, and seeing their efforts actually work and see the car actually on the track is so cool for those who might be curious definitely the daytona 500 i think is a great starting race for those who are new in the sport to watch i mean it's it's like the indy 500 for the indy cars i mean it's a tradition that is very dearly held in a lot of our hearts that's where we've seen a lot of our favorite drivers bloom at and i I really hope that the same happens. Last year, we had Michael McDowell win, which was crazy. Crazy. Who would have thought? I I thought Dunning was going to get it again. And look look what happened. So I really hope that a Cinderella story like that happens again this year. I There's so much potential. We, we're just going to have to just we'll try to be patient. But sit, sit and wait and see what happens. So. We've been waiting since November 7th because after the last podcast that we did, and in fact, Jazz, you were on the podcast after the season finale. We literally yeah. recorded on November 7th. Yes. Um, we were just like, oh, the season's ended and we're going to have to wait until, you know, February comes. <laughs> and here we are in February. We're actually on the, the precipice of this amazing season of NASCAR, which I believe will be the, oh God, how, how many years has NASCAR been around? Quite a long time. I mean, uh 2022 1948 this is the 74th season of nascar coming up i mean this is 
got this is, has the potential to be one of the biggest and best seasons ever. I know Fox the branded last year as such, and it, it definitely had its moments to be one of the best seasons ever. I think this is part two of the best season ever that we're going to see. Um, and as far as my predictions are concerned, which you'll probably hear more on episode 17, I think that the Daytona 500 is certainly, it's not going to just boil on the manufacturer alliances like we've seen in years past. I think it's going to be who works well with who during race weekend. And, you know, you mentioned about the high line and the podium 500. I kind of wonder how much of that in real life is going to happen because with these, this new car, and just how different it reacts and the great runs you can get in the next-gen car, anything is possible. And certainly when we get closer to Daytona, when we have Luis Torres and Jonathan Huff on site for TPF, they're going to have a lot to, to share with us and a lot of photos, of course, as well. And I'm sure Seth as well with his outlet is going to see all of that up close and personal. I wish I could be there too, but um, such as it is, I will be at Coda for my first race weekend, which it really isn't that long from now. I'm looking forward to it, but it's all about Daytona in these next several episodes, our next few episodes, rather, of TPF Live. And I think Seth, Jazz, and I, and Nathan, of course, who's absent, but I'm going to keep mentioning him. Um, it, it's going to be an awesome, awesome race. But um, it is almost time to wrap this up. Seth and Jazz, thank you so much for filling in for Nathan, of course, and you both are always welcome. Jazz, of course, being with the TPF family, you're, it's like a homework assignment you have to do. <laughs> you have to be on these. If you don't, then I'm sorry. No, uh, but- this is homework and that's what you know grad school rob does and seth you know you're always welcome to come by i love what you do with ktt and i know that you know i've seen how hard you work at on the track at the charlotte robo race weekend last year always got a seat for you on the show in fact let me get up from my chair this is the seat imaginarily (laughs) that you can have when you get to join the show so anytime my friends you can always join us well, as long as my schedule uh, cooperates, I'll be more than happy to steal that seat from you. How about that? <laughs> there you go. Awesome. I, I will just have to float around somehow. I, guess. <laughs> I don't know. Well, well, actually, I got this nice recliner that no one in this, no one on the podcast can see. But for you know, for recording purposes, it's hard to see with this webcam. <laughs> yeah, that's that is the prime chair right there, my friends. But um, this chair is pretty cool as well. But yeah, thank you guys for joining me today. So excited to have you go both on for episode 16. And uh, yeah, I can't wait for the season to get started. We'll have to have you both back on very soon. Like I said, Jazz, you got to be here. It's homework. This is how it goes. Darn. Yeah. Struggle. Well, struggle bus 2022. <laughs> <laughs> well, folks, I hope you all enjoyed this edition of TPF Live. It's certainly a really fun show that I got to do today. And Certainly hope that you are all going to tune in for episode 17 a week from now, which will be our first in-race version of this show. So stay tuned for that because we've got some exciting guests that will be on. I hear that the next guest that we'll have is more than likely the driver who's going to be doing a recurring series with us. So if I can give any of you a hint as to who that could be, let me say this particular driver strikes a, has a bit of a resemblance to an actor from Footloose, but that's my opinion. Don't say it, just just think about it. And if you think you know who it is, then tune into the next episode and hopefully you'll get a good laugh from that. But with that, it's time to wrap up TPF Live episode 16. So on behalf of Jazz Sharp and Seth Eggert, this is Rob T. Youngson, 
signing off at the Pony Finish Live here on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and other major podcast platforms. And also wanted to thank Kaylee Bryson as well for popping by on our show as well. So stay tuned to us, our show next week. And until then, as I say for every podcast, let's go get that checkered flag. So long, folks. <laughs>